0: Hello, thank you for tuning in. Before we get into our show, we need to address the Black Lives Matter movement that has been reignited in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hands of police on Memorial Day. I speak for Dylan and I believe everyone else that we have had on our show when I say that we stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and its cause, it's not enough to stand by, we need to stand up and be active allies, active anti-racists, and active voices in the chant for society to showcase that Black lives do in fact matter in America, beginning with the reformation of policing practices and training, as well as further steps in all other structures and institutions of America to take down racial inequity.
1: We also have some resources to point you towards, including the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, which is the main Black Lives Matter website, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the Equal Justice Initiative, the Color Change Advocacy Group, local and national bail funds, Center for Policing Equity and other outlets to become self-informed, and the GoFundMe Memorial funds.
0: Furthermore, in order to amplify Black voices in storytelling and own voice representation, There are a variety of informative and powerful movies available to rent for free on YouTube. These include Just Mercy, The Hate U Give, Selma, and more. So we encourage you all to check those out on your own time. Hello there. Listening to the Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill.
1: And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about our favorite sitcoms and we're going to give you our own sitcom recommendations.
0: And first we'll go over some of the news that has come out since our previous show. HBO Max launched at the end of May and this includes all the HBO content and it's coupled with all the Warner Media content. So everything that you know and love about HBO and then all that other jazz that Warner Media has. It's all in one little thing, one platform for fourteen ninety nine a month. I have it. Dylan, do you have it?
1: No, I don't. I have HBO on Prime. So I've been using that to watch the HBO shows and everything else on HBO Max. I think I'd be interested in access to the studio Ghibli Films and maybe some of their T V shows, but other right. than that For 15 bucks a month, I'm a little hesitant.
0: Well, let me convince you with some of their catalog that we have. All the HBO shows, so Mm -hmm. Sopranos, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Barry, Insecure, Euphoria, Succession, more. All of those prestige HBO series, Mm -hmm. you get all of that. Plus, you get the revolving library of HBO movies, which is always... A lot of good gems come in there. Then you got the HBO Max library. So this includes Friends, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Rick and Morty, Doctor Who, South Park, and more. There's DC films. So that'll be the eventual home that any DC affiliated thing will go to. Mm-hmm. So they have Justice League. They're going to come out with that Snyder Cut 2021. Mm-hmm. They have Wonder Woman Joker. They have Doom Patrol.
1: I want to watch Doom Patrol. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I haven't started, but
0: I do see that, and it's always tempting me on the little carousel for recommended. Yeah, Teen Titans is there, the OG one, and oh, they really? have yeah, and they have a forthcoming Green Lantern live action. There's not a lot of details, but is that going to be a show or a I'm movie? Peaked, um, I think a television show. Oh. Yeah, like a whole live-action series.
1: Oops, that's fascinating.
0: Um, yeah, and like you mentioned, all the Studio Ghibli films, that's for, you know, in America, Netflix lost all of those, but overseas, By for way. whatever reason, Netflix still has those. But the only real place to find Studio Ghibli films on a streaming service is HBO Max. So you get all of that stuff. For the kids... There's Looney Tunes, they have a new Looney Tunes show as well, which apparently is good, better than any of the other reboots they tried to do. There's Sesame Street, Scooby-Doo, The Flintstones, they got classic movies, Casablanca, Rebel Without a Cause, 2001, there's a whole bunch more with that. And then, major blockbuster films like the Harry Potter series, Lord of the Rings trilogy, Matrix, and some other classics... Wizard of Oz Jaws, the alien franchise I think is on there So yeah it's got it's packed with a lot of stuff to be honest so you're right the whole 15 per month that's more than any other streaming service but it's kind of for good reason with I mean this service is pretty stacked. Hmm. So what do you say? Has this made you reconsider?
1: I say after all that I think HBO Max should really sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> after all that we just right. went through. Right. We're really we're really beefing up their service a lot here.
0: I know I was a salesperson. This For is probably 15.99 a month. I'm not paid at all by them. I wish it were.
1: But yeah. I wish too. Personally, I'm you a Should fan. be. <laughs> I'll think about it. Do they have a free trial at all? I'm sure they do.
0: I right. don't know.
1: Maybe I'll check it out, see what it's like. I recently got the Criterion channel. I got to check that out. That's really? for all the people who want to watch the the movies you can't find anywhere else. Those artistic movies that right. only a few people saw when they came out and then disappeared because no streaming service wants them. And that's been pretty cool. They have a lot of uh, Kira Kurosawa movies. Uh, I watched The Last Picture Show on there. That was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like that, and I like it a lot. How much is that? $10 a month I got the it's it's free for the first month so I got the free first month and I think I paused it because you can pause it for up to three months and you basically just don't pay anything for three months and you don't use it and then in three months your subscription is still there so I have paused it for the time being because I haven't been using it lately but yeah it's really great
0: it's cool another one of the many many
1: many streaming services
0: <laughs> yes Many sides in the streaming wars that we are currently in. Uh, But I think, to be honest, obviously Netflix has been king for a very long time because they were the first. But with looking just at a glance, the things that HBO Max has, it comes a lot from their back catalog. Netflix's strength, I think, is the originals. They beat out every other service on that front. mm -hmm. But in terms of what they have to offer at the start, H2 Max is pretty
1: great. Yeah, the pretty issue good.
0: that it has though is it's not on Roku or Fire TVs.
1: Mm, where can you get it if not there?
0: Anything that isn't that? But so those like gaming
1: systems, Blu-ray. Yeah, of course, of boxes. course.
0: Boxes. All of that. Those Internet. two that I mentioned are specifically the ones that it's not available on because and t couldn't the parent company of Warner Media, they couldn't get a deal finished in time. So that's another weakness that this service has mm-hmm. is you pro- if you don't if you have one of those things you're not able to get this which is obviously problematic. So hopefully they'll be able to work that out so that people are actually able to access the streaming service. And then in terms of the things that they're offering HBO alone is stru- such a strong selling point I believe because of the quality of everything they got. But all this other stuff that they're adding on, it's the only place you can get friends. It's going to be the only place you can get South Park because they did a whole bidding wars Mm -hmm. for it. Yeah, Um, And they do have quite a bit of classics. I wonder how much overlap there is with Criterion since that seems more indie. Um, I'm sure there's not too much. But yeah, I think at least it's a pretty strong
1: rival to Netflix. That's cool. I like it. In other news, the 2021 Oscars have done the Corona Shuffle and moved from February 28th to April 25th of 2021, which now means that films that were that are going to be shown in January and February, February still qualify for the 2021 Oscars. So I think it'd be interesting to see a movie that technically comes out in 2021 winning the 2020 Best Picture.
0: That would be fascinating. We'll have to see, to see. Yeah. if any movies yeah. are able to come out. Hopefully they will be. We'll get into that a little later mm-hmm. about some of the other films that have had to do the Corona Shuffle, as you say. But the Oscars have also, as part of their expanded diversity initiatives, they have set permanently the best best picture category to be ten films. Because before, they were like, it could be 10 films, but watch us only nominate 9 instead of adding The Farewell. But now, (laughs) they have 10 films. Which I agree is also, it's a plus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, for movies that have been pushed back... Uh, Tenet is leading the charge by pushing back two weeks to July 31st, also being pushed is Wonder Woman 84 to October 2nd, and Godzilla vs. Kong and The New Matrix have also been pushed back. So, we're getting movies, just not now. Right. They are not officially streaming, like straight to video, or video on demand. No. They're still going to get theatrical releases, just not soon. Tenet soon, but not the other ones.
0: Right, and so AMC and Regal they're planning to open up by mid-July and they have mask requirements for both employees and moviegoers. Good. Recently, AMC came out with their plan to open things back up and it didn't have a requirement for masks because <laughs> they said we just don't think we should force people to wear something that they strongly don't want to wear even for it's public like safety. A cloth. Um yeah, it's like you'll be able to handle it. I do think, though, there's not been much talk about... Obviously, concessions is such a big part of the theater financial model, and you cannot eat with a (laughs) face mask on. Mm -hmm. So there's still talks and concerns, even though they'll be opening at limited capacity. I think AMC said 30% is what they're going to start out at for Mm -hmm. each theater. There's still uncertainty about people that go in and then they just take their mask off and then sit for two hours in that closed space, breathing in the same air that everyone else is bringing in and then breathing breathing it back out at them. So yeah, it's still, I know, would you, when Tenet comes out, say that it does come out the 31st, say that AMC and Regal are open. Mm -hmm. Are you going? Yes. You are?
1: Yeah. I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to sit away from everybody else with my group of nine or less people. And we're just going to not go near anybody, keep the masks on at all times and just enjoy the movie and then immediately leave. And if we want to eat, we can go eat somewhere else or eat at our own homes, preferably.
0: Mm. I see that. I see that. I don't know if I'll... I'll really have to see. But at this point in time, I still think it's crazy the amount the surge that we're having. Yeah. In cases again, especially in Florida. So I don't know. That's making me question whether or not this is even yeah. the end of the corona shovel for these films.
1: I just still see videos of people like trying to barge into stores without masks when they're telling them you have to wear masks, and people like <laughs> the- getting upset about it, and it's really. Not even an inconvenience. It's just an extra piece of clothing.
0: Yeah. I agree with you there. It's insane to see those videos of the people. And half of them are doing it to get that reaction to go in. I mean, if you're going into a store recording without a mask, you know what's going to happen. And you're just trying to make a big deal out of it anyway. But yeah. you're right. You're not, your essential freedoms are not getting abridged if you are asked to wear. A facial covering in public.
1: I know Orange County here in Florida just put up a a new law or rule that's like uh, public masks worn in public places at all times Mandatoria. for now until this foreseeable future mandatory. Yeah, which is good. It's very I good.
0: I hundred percent agree with.
1: I keep seeing people who are making trying to make the argument that's like they can't breathe in it and that they're like struggling to breathe. And I don't get that either.
0: Right. Some of it, I have seen that too. And I'm not. I'm very
1: skeptical of that argument.
0: Right. Well, I'm not an expert on whatever illnesses or issues that might, some people have said asthma and whatnot can make it difficult to breathe. And in Florida, yeah, it's very hot. Um, So having that face covering on and, and then you're sweating into it, blowing hot air in and out of that mask. I can sort of see that.
1: Oh no, you can't. I wear jeans outside, man. I mean, you, you think a mask that. is bad? You do, do that. You think it's bad to be uh If I can wear jeans in public, I can wear a mask. Come on, people. Right.
0: But yeah, but for that argument, again, I don't know. I don't have asthma. Um, that, but probably. I would say the counter argument would be if you have asthma or any other respiratory illness, would it not be more advantageous to you to avoid at all costs contracting the coronavirus a respiratory disease so if you have to go out protect yourself as much as you can and that includes a face covering yes and Very much sentence. So, please. all right and then what is our next piece of news dylan
1: So over the weekend, Ansel Elgort, Justin Bieber, and Cole Sprouse were all accused of sexual assault. Now, Ansel Elgort has gone on record as admitting to what had transpired to a degree. And we just wanted to take the time and mention that we stand with the victims of sexual assault, and we believe the victims always, and we just want to support them in any way we can.
0: Correct. Now, this Correct. is an aside. Elgort is starring in Disney's West Side Story, which is supposed to come out later this year. How do you think Disney is going to handle this? Do you think they will at all? How would you like to see them handle this? Because you're well, right. He had mentioned that we don't want to get too into the details and whatnot. Everything's very complicated. But the one of the accusers had noted that there was a relationship. She was 17. He was 20, which technically in New York, the age of consent is 17. But obviously she was pointing out that she was a victim of sexual assault at that age. Irrelevant that of her age, age. Right. Irrelevant of the age. The fact that he still sexual. there here. was that disparity just makes it even more egregious. But he did, He admitted that there was a relationship. He denied there was sexual assault. Mm -hmm. But the fact still remains that he's a star in Disney. Family friendly. That's their entire brand. And this has come out. So how do you think they're going to handle this? How do you think they should handle this?
1: If I'm being honest with you. In terms of this, might be the one time where Disney has gotten lucky with the coronavirus because now that movies keep getting pushed back, and now they have more time to figure out this this. Because there's no way they're gonna release that movie. D- Disney hates PR nightmares. Um, I don't know how. And I don't think they're. I don't think they're thinking about this morally because it's Disney. Right. I just want to. Steven Spielberg in... might be, but Disney probably right. isn't.
0: There's one other factor where Elgort was 26 or is 26. The He's playing Tony, and is it Maria? Yes. She is being played by an 18-year-old. Yeah,
1: she just turned 18. So
0: that, obviously, from the Disney standpoint, because, again, you're right, they're a total media conglomerate. They're going to be looking at this from a money standpoint, not a moral standpoint. And from that money standpoint, having this co-star with such a young actress and then this comes out, it's terrible. So I agree with you. They should take the time that they are afforded because they haven't even started their advertising campaign. So have they
1: started filming at all?
0: Oh, well, it's done filming, I think. It's done filming, okay. Or at well, least then his could... part is finished filming, but they have they could time to go back and change it.
1: They could do the Ridley Scott thing from, like, when Kevin Spacey got accused where they just replaced him with a new actor. And they could just, like, reshoot the shots that he's in specifically with a new actor and it would be fine. The the hard part is that it's a musical and it's Steven Spielberg, so I'm assuming there's a lot of wide shots with a lot of other actors. So it'd be hard to – it's going to cost him quite a bit of money, which Disney might – like in terms of the net profit they'd make from the movie it might not be profitable to go back and do those reshoots so the movie might just get canceled
0: i well i would doubt they would cancel the movie altogether especially with spielberg attached but i think their production budget is like 100 million which compared to other disney films is kind of on the low side so yeah, I think but remember, also it's Disney so they have money to burn. So
1: not if, anymore. They they're running out. They're like hemorrhaging a lot of money right now because of COVID. That is true. So they might not have the money to put forward into the movie at this time because it might not project as being profitable enough to do so because I don't know how many people would pay to see West Side Story it's directed by Steven Spielberg. That's a Disney film. You know, I don't know how willing they're gonna be to put that money for, because it's gonna take a lot of money to, to pay the actors and all the crew to come back to film the equipment, the sets, um, just the editing. That's gonna take a lot of time to do that, and they can't even start filming now, right. Because of COVID, so they'd have to wait and film all that. I would hope probably though, sometime next year
0: for all the artists involved who are not Ansel Elgort had nothing to do with his despicable actions i would hope that they would be able to see the effort that they put into this film pay off in some way by seeing it truly come to life so i'm hoping that in some way they will be able to if even if it is extensive reshoots that they got to do some way that this film can still come out and this story can still be told but without him a part of it.
1: Now, what they could do, if they wanted to be really cheap and they really didn't care about morals, (laughs) they could, I I mean, I'm serious, like, if they really didn't care, they could find an actor that's similar physique as Ansel Elgort, and they could deep fake the footage of Ansel Elgort with whoever this actor's face is and just replace him that way. I suppose. If they really, like, were strapped for money, I mean, because that way the people, all the other people who were involved in the movie, at least their work gets to be seen by everybody and it doesn't get canceled. Right. Because it'd be a shame if this movie, if they really did put $100 million in this movie and it just disappeared.
0: Right, I agree. And with that, uh, Baby Driver, I think John Hamm is the other actor in that. Let's hope that man is actually a good person.
1: You're the third person to say that to me. What? You're the third person for to say, John well, I, really, I really hope John Hamm's a good guy. Otherwise, well, let's hope he is, because it's a cursed movie.
0: They really pulled all the good ones together, huh? Ugh. Edgar Wright knows how to cast them.
1: Poor Edgar Wright. He had plans for Baby Driver 2. He can't do that now. Unless he does it with a new character.
0: Ooh, he should do that.
1: That'd be interesting, like a Baby Driver reboot with a new driver and a new story. But he's got his new movie coming out supposedly soon, which is like a horror movie. I think it's called Last Night in Soho. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one, at least. Anyway, the box office breakdown is pretty much nothing because there is no box office so we're just going to talk about some new movies that have been coming out on streaming services like Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus, which is apparently terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've read atrocious. I've read,
1: I haven't read the book, but when I was a, a little kid, I read the illustrated version of the book. So it was pretty much like a comic book, but it was the entire book, but as a comic book. So I know what happens. And based on the trailer, I didn't like what I saw. I really didn't. Which yeah. is so unfortunate, because I loved the comic book. All so, right. that's a bummer. Also is, <coughs> sorry, also is Duffy Bloods on Netflix, which is the new Spike Lee movie about Vietnam War veterans. Had Chadwick Chad Boseman that. in it.
0: Did you see that? Chadwick Boseman in it,
1: yeah. Uh, Apparently, it? Uh, oh no, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. I saw no. that Chadwick Boseman was in it. I really want to see it. Spencer saw it and he said that Delroy Lindos was incredible, like a great performance. And so now I really want to see it. It's and actually- also, The King of Staten Island has premiered on premium video on demand from Universal. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm going to see that.
0: I'm not either. That's Pete Davidson. Uh, I'm not really a fan of that guy,
1: I'm just not a big fan. Ever since he came to UCF and yelled at us, uh,
0: right? We have beef with him.
1: Called us a bunch of mean names. He and then his a year later, his SNL cronies came and yelled at us again. I know thing. they didn't yell at us. That was the they one funny joke
0: though, that he had. He said, "Now I know why Pete yelled at y'all." <laughs> that was good.
1: That was the one funny joke. You're right.
0: But okay, so yeah, King of Staten Island. It did all of these. Films on their respective streaming outlets, where they premiered on, they went to the top. Um, Unfortunately, we can't determine beyond that their measure of success, how many people saw them, or for King of Staten Island, how many people actually bought slash rented the film. But if you're sad that there's nothing to go to the theaters for, those are some of the new recent movies that you can check out.
1: Yeah. Now it's time for our special segment where we talk about sitcoms. Tell me, now, Dylan. Now Ryan, Ryan, oh. you wanted to do this. I did. Because you just finished Friends.
0: That's right. This is just an and excuse you loved to it, talk about you? Friends.
1: Yeah, I did. So, let's start off by talking about what a sitcom is and then we'll dive into Friends for you. Tell now, me. Now, what
0: is a sitcom? <laughs>
1: For those of you who don't know, sitcom stands for situation comedy, and it's basically a fixed set of characters who carry out new situations episode to episode, and they carry over from episode to episode. So there's a lot of debate about what a sitcom actually is, because those are very vague terms. Um, A lot of people will say that it has to be uh, multicam, which means kind of like Breaking Bad... Not Breaking Bad. What was I saying? The big... Bang Theory or like Friends where there's a live audience and there's a set and the fourth wall is taken out and so all the multicams are filming. Not Breaking Bad.
0: Could you imagine Breaking Bad as a sitcom? I could imagine Better Call
1: Saul as a multicam sitcom. I could imagine that because they almost made it a comedy. But anyway... (laughs) There's debates about whether a sitcom has to be multicam or if it can be single cam, like a lot of newer TV shows like Modern Family and Scrubs and uh, uh, Barry and things like that. Or if a sitcom can be animated like The Simpsons and Family Guy or if it has to be live action. But for the sake of the argument that we're having, or the sake of the conversation that we're having right now, it's it's strictly a fixed set of characters who carry over from episode to episode uh, performing situational comedy scenarios so it can be multi-camera single cam it can be live action or animated that's just what we're going with for the conversation anyway sitcoms originated in radio where a cast of characters would read out a script uh, and everyone would just tune in and listen And if you ever watch the movie Christmas Story they listen to the you listen to the, the show with the girl it's not a sitcom but it's, it's like that kind of show where they just read the script on the radio and the first television sitcom is said to be Pinwright's Progress from the BBC. So, Britain kind of started it off. And then a lot of people credit William Asher with inventing the sitcom. Uh, he directed a lot of the original sitcoms, like a lot of episodes of those, like I Love Lucy and Bewitched from the 50s all the way to the 70s. And so, he kind of like started it all with the techniques that they used and whatnot. But for our conversation, we're going to start with, we're going to talk about sitcoms that are Seinfeld and Sooner. So, starting with the Seinfeld era of sitcoms and moving up. So, your fa- one of your favorite sitcoms now, Ryan, is Friends, because you just finished it on HBO Max.
0: That's true. That was, I'm not going to tell the full story, but it was a truly tragic affair when, on New Year's Eve, before you and oh. I were about to begin our winter trip. To North Carolina, we said I was watching the season eight finale, or well, almost the season oh. eight finale, and then I discovered that on Netflix it was being taken
1: off. Oh, so sad. On January, this is 1st. why that's how I knew 2020 was gonna something. suck. Yeah, this is why when you binge something, you can't just take your time and savor it like you do. You have to get through it as quickly as possible before the streaming service takes it off.
0: Nah you got to save it. I enjoyed it, but it was it was a 5 month wait from then until yeah, when it premiered on HBO Max and it ended on the craziest cliffhanger. Truly absurd. Oh
1: yeah, season 8. Oh. I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. So what about the show, did you like just like immediately getting into it when you cuz you were getting into it a lot later than A lot of people I know have a lot of people watch it, you know, because it was on Netflix. They watch it when they were a lot younger and you got into it. Now, what was your impressions as a much older person watching it?
0: Right. I'm wondering if it would have had as much an impact on me if I were younger, because right now we're not at the stage they were at when the show first started. Yeah. And certainly it's a different landscape because of cell phones and whatnot. But there is something about that. And I think the magic of the show that people, the creators, David Crane and Marta Kaufman, this was sort of their driving force for it, was it's the time period in your life where your friends are your family. Mm -hmm. And they're sort of the bedrocks to a lot of your life. It's where you go to have fun. It's where you go to vent. It's where you go to grow as a person through your conversations. So that part of it, I think stuck out to me a lot because we're in that phase where we're growing out of high school, we're in college, we're soon going to be getting out of college Mm -hmm. and friends. I do think are an essential part of your life and I love my friends. So that's why seeing this show where, it's based entirely off of the close relationships that these friends have. We all, I mean, everyone in general has some dysfunction in their own families. All the characters on this show have really dysfunctional families. So that's why they lean on each other a lot more. Like all the relationships that people have to their parents are insane. Um, so that's why I think for them, it's truly like their friends are their lives. Yeah. It's not so much so in the real world for us, but again, I do put a lot of weight on friendships and I love my friends. Mm-hmm. The wind trip thing like that was truly one of the greatest times in my life. That's and funny. this
1: is sort I had of, a great time with you as well.
0: Uh, and this was watching a show like this. It's an, essentially them Going through a piece of that every episode. Like you said in your sitcom definition, situation comedies, they carry they have new situations every single episode, but the essence of each of them truly hear each other, they're to take a line from the in the theme song. They're always there for each other. And so I don't know. That's a really inviting theme that's at the core of the show and so i think that's one aspect that really draw me to it it's also just a fun show it's funny it is fun the actors are all i mean name any other sitcom where each character each of the actors is a superstar in their own right like it's very difficult for to get that a hundred percent so i think the casting was perfect and yeah i think that's essentially why it has really cemented itself mm-hmm. as a sitcom that i love
1: it's interesting that you bring up the idea of like a sitcom where all the characters st- like stand out and i think about that a lot in terms of parks and rec, like parks and rec compared to the office because when you think of The Office, you think of Michael Scott and then, like, Jim and Pam and Dwight. And so, like, those are, like, your center, central Hello. characters. But you have every other character in The Office, but they never get, like, their episode. They're just sort of background you characters. recording. But then Mike Schur, who was the writer on The Office, uh, left and did Parks and Rec, and he created the show where all the characters were unique. They all stood out. They all had, like, episodes just for them all the time. It was never just, like... Leslie Nopes episode every week like it was Michael Scott's episode every week that's just because Steve Carell was fantastic but like Mike sure made sure that all the characters had enough time to really develop sort of the way that they it did in Friends again. and so like it's I like hard to pick you. your favorite character Like everyone has different favorite characters but when you go in the office everyone's like you know Michael Scott's my favorite character or Dwight's my favorite character But a lot of people have varying opinions about like Friends and Parks and Rec. And it's just because they bring out these characters and really like show you what's funny about each one of them individually and uniquely. And I like that a lot. So now looking back on Friends, what was your impression of the beginning now that you've seen the whole thing? Like when you first started watching it and you first started getting into it. My mic keeps cutting out? Is it cutting out right yes.
0: now? No, not right now. But three times in your spiel,
1: it cut okay, out. Okay, I think, I think the thing just keeps slipping out the mic. I'll just cut out the spiel. It's fine. Okay. Okay. But It, it wasn't is, that cause, bad yeah, point, I was right? like,
0: what is happening? Um, but anyway, I want to ask you, though, what mm. your overall impressions of it is. So, Because my first impressions are my impressions of it now, even though I had that five-month gap where I think that elevated it in my mind because I was so excited to get back into it. And then yeah. in May, when I was writing the research project, my goal was, like, one of the treats I gave myself was to start watching Friends again once I finished that. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited for it.
1: Ooh. Wow, you're so important <laughs> in all kinds of calls. <laughs> Is that a landline I hear?
0: It was. So, wow,
1: you're really getting into the friends mood, huh? All the way back <laughs> in right. the 90s with the landline. Jesus.
0: Okay, where was I at, though? What was I saying <laughs> before <laughs> it cut out? Because we'll need to... Uh,
1: you were talking about... Uh, May. I you're felt excited for it. For you? Yeah, you were excited. Yeah,
0: the wait just made me more excited for it. So I, I still think the way that I see the show... Watching 9 and 10 separated from the rest, I -hmm. still feel it's the same way. And it's even strange because now I'm like nostalgic for those first seasons because there was some time removed for it as opposed to just binging it. I can sort of have that feeling that people had obviously to a stronger extent when it was airing each Mm -hmm. year and then they get the callbacks to seven years ago. It was only five months for me, but still. I think that was a quality that aided it in becoming one of my favorite sitcoms. But I want to know, for you, your impressions of it when you first watched it. Did you watch it when you were young? When did you first watch it?
1: I watched it whenever it probably first came out on Netflix. So I was 14 or 15 when I first watched it. And I've seen it probably like three times now, Mm. all the way through. So you like it. Yeah. I do like Friends. I haven't seen it in a while. It's been a while since my last viewing, but I do like it a lot. It's interesting that you bring up like the idea of watching the show instead of just straight up binging it like I usually do, because it's been a long time since I've watched a show where it's like each week a new episode comes out and like mm-hmm. it's like I'm waiting for it. There's like a cliffhanger at the end of an episode. I have to wait till next week to see what happens. Or like I'm just like excited like ooh today's Thursday blah 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 is playing tonight like because that's what it was like when I was a kid you know like mm. oh tonight's Friday Adventure Time is coming on tonight I can go upstairs and watch Adventure Time and now it's like oh it's May 3rd I get 22 episodes of my show <laughs> and then I have to wait a year and so it's it's a feeling I haven't had in a long time because I know I wouldn't be able to control myself if I try to watch one episode a week or one episode a day just because I like watching episode after episode after episode, because that's a, a, that's like a unique feeling in and of itself, where I'm just like engorging on the television and just becoming completely <laughs> engrossed. I don't think engorging is the word you were going for. <laughs>
0: what no, are I'm, you watching? I'm, what are you mentioning? I'm
1: devouring it. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, like... Just the idea of watching a show that originally premiered over a long period of time, like 10 years long, and then you watch it all in like a month. It's like you you are watching the characters grow. You aren't growing with the characters, so that's its own unique feeling is like watching a show over a period of 10 years is like a cool thing on its own, but like the idea of watching 10 years of history – nearly all at once is also very interesting to me yeah because i I just become like ingratiated in their lives and like obsessed with every little detail especially when you watch the same show like every once in a while every couple of years because i usually have like a rotating list of sitcoms that i go through like if i'm bored i'll like start a new sitcom that i've maybe seen before maybe i'll start a new one And I'll like watch one and then I'll either cross it off my list or keep it going. But uh, no, Friends has always been on the list and I've always watched it every once in a while because I like it. Now I can't unless I get HBO Max, which is only $14.99 a month, which is a pretty great deal, don't you think? But I mean, looking back on the first time I watched it and the first impression I had, it wasn't, it was like the thing that I wanted a lot was that idea of independence and just hanging out with your friends all the time and just like your friends being your family like that was like this big thing to me in like early high school like ooh, could you imagine like living with a friend as a roommate and like just hanging out with your friends all the time going to dinner with them all the time and they're like your family like they're the family that you get to pick and of course life never works out the way it does on television and it's never like that clean cut like you're never like this circle of six people are my friends like this is the tv show is us us six people it's never like breaking the fourth wall kind of friendship but it's it's for me it's been more like you know these are the people i'm close with and then there's the next ring of people that i'm sort of close close with and the next ring of people and i'll just see people sparingly especially now because of COVID, I don't see anybody. Which I is know so it's so. Upsetting. I miss friends. Yeah, I miss hanging out with friends. But I've always wanted to get to that point, like on Friends, where I have like you know me, my roommates, our friends, and we just hang out all the time, just constantly, you know. And I haven't gotten there, but now that I've gotten older, I think I'm more content with the life I've been given just as a person, which is nice. But I think I'd still like that friend to try out the friends thing too. Right. So it's more like, I feel like if I watched it now, I'd be like more, like if I watched it for the first time now, like you did, I'd probably be more like, I don't know, not so needy for it. Like not like so desirable for the situations they were in. Like, oh man, could you imagine if your life was so easy that your biggest problem is that, like, you're just having a small fight with your friends about a stupid topic. That'd be great. You get out of school, get a job I care about, sort of. And just hang out with friends all the time, you know? That's the dream.
0: Chilling It'd at a more, coffee like,
1: shop. Chilling at a coffee shop. Same like, every time. I don't know how they afforded that much coffee. Like, even in the <laughs> beginning, they like a lot of them didn't have jobs that paid a lot. Like, Ross did... And then eventually Monica did and Chandler did. But Joey, like, how can you afford that coffee? It was Chandler. Chandler bought him the coffee, didn't he? He was probably Chandler.
0: Mm-hmm. And on that note, who is mm-hmm. your favorite character?
1: And what? That is such a difficult choice. When I first watched the show, it was Chandler. Just because okay. I instantly connected with him being the funny guy. And I was like, I get that. I don't. It's definitely not Ross. I can say it's definitely not Ross. <laughs> I think you can I can all I don't say that. It's, honestly, it's probably Joey. Joey's my favorite character.
0: I knew you were gonna say that. You said that like last time we were asking.
1: I had to. I had to think. I always had to think about it, but it's probably gonna be Joey. How Matt LeBlanc is so funny. He gets the best lines and he has the best deliveries. And if you go and you watch like the outtakes. He's just the funniest person on set. Like, just absolutely hilarious. I have... A- Joey's like, he's just so sweet and so innocent. And like, he just wants to be friends with Chandler. And Chandler's like, the Chandler's character is like playing the straight guy. Like, in ter- like, when you're doing a comedy, you have like the straight guy who's serious. And you have the guy who does the things that no person like humanity would do. And the straight guy has to tell the, the crazy guy that like, what you're doing is crazy. And, like, Chandler was always that guy to, like, be like, this is insane. And, like, Joey would be like, I just want you to wear this friendship bracelet. Uh, And and Chandler was like, no, that's crazy. Why would I ever wear a friendship bracelet? And I'm like, looking back on it now, if a friend gave me a friendship bracelet, like, that's, like, such a nice thing to do for someone. Like, what a dick move, Chandler. uh, just wear it. it's it's a nice piece of jewelry it symbolizes your friendship it's such a nice thing to do for someone but you wouldn't have a show if Chandler didn't act like that it's true that's why Joey's my favorite cuz he's a sweet guy uh-huh. and also he's the funniest character when he puts on all of Chandler's clothes <laughs> that's <laughs> to so good you get back at him ah oh, what a great episode you wouldn't mind oh. if I did lunges could I be
0: wearing any more clothes?
1: <laughs> I'm going commando. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Oh, What a great show. Who's your favorite character?
0: It is the Chan Chan man. Really? Yeah.
1: I you still hold funny? to it. Well,
0: in the beginning, obviously he was the funniest, but I've always liked Matthew Perry. I've watched before Friends, actually, some of his other sitcoms that he's done. I've mm. seen those, and I always liked them. And then in this
1: one, yeah. This he's, is his prime.
0: Certainly. He's definitely...
1: He's taking all kinds of drugs, <laughs> drinking a lot of alcohol, <laughs> and he's just showing up on set and just grinding out humor and then forgetting it all. <laughs> that
0: is true. But he had a lot of great one-liners. But I think his character over the series progressed The most as well. Like I was most invested in him growing out of, because he starts off and obviously he's the funny man, but that's because he's defending himself with humor. He's not trying to get attached to people. He has commitment issues. He has those parenting, the issues with his parents. But over time with the Monica relationship, he really developed into, somebody who was able to let down those barriers connect with somebody make those leaps into marriage and then having a kid even though he was terrified of it that one episode where he was where they were trying to talk to the person that was putting their baby up for adoption and she's initially not about it but then he runs out to her and tells her how much it means to monica and how he's completely unprepared as a father but He knows that she's already a mother without her baby. she pretends
1: to be a priest and he's like a doctor? Yeah. It's very funny.
0: Yeah. And then he's like, I already know she's an amazing mother. She just doesn't have a baby. I'll learn when I need to, whatever, but she needs this. And then that essentially secures them getting those, the twins that they end up with. So I think overall his arc was... The most satisfying to watch, and he's still mm-hmm. even at the end. People are like, "Oh, he's less funny," which partly, yeah, because of his character, he's not in such crazy situations or this whole Janus thing. Um, mm-hmm. But
1: he also wasn't he's still many so, drugs.
0: That's true. He's still so. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, he's he's the funniest character on the show. I would say that, like in terms of like one liners, I think Joey. I think Matt LeBlanc's delivery just kills me sometimes because I know that's just like, I know watching the outtakes, that's not how he is. So his acting chops are like there. And he knew Joey as a character. He did. But he was very serious. Matthew, on Perry, Matthew Perry is incredible at delivering one liners and like uh, insult jokes and whatnot. And he's very good at that. And like that's always been a strong suit and it like shines through in Friends. And I do love watching that. It's true. All also, right. I think I'm going to change my answer. My favorite character is Janice.
0: Oh my
1: god! Nothing is more shocking than when you're watching that show the first time, and you're like five or six seasons deep, and you just hear her say that, and you know she's <laughs> in the room, but that like they always make you hear it before you see her. I know. And dude. you just it's like it's like when you're watching Jaws, and you like hear the music coming, and you just know it's coming such good such so funny yeah Just that
0: was a really good long a good running gag
1: joke, yeah hilarious okay
0: and on that note, what are some of your favorite episodes i
1: don't know if i can point out a lot of episodes the one that i think of the most as my favorite one is the one where everyone finds out
0: yes that is so good
1: I love that episode where th- where they're like, like Phoebe just starts screaming in the apartment <laughs> that Ross wants to get. And then Rachel's like, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. And Ross comes in and they both start screaming again and then he just jumps in. Oh, it's so funny. I think the laugh track does make it funnier too, or the live audience. Right. I think like, so too. For the- some
0: elements, it does make it better. And no, a lot that of elements, an I agree. That. Entire arc was riveting. The whole them trying to keep their friends from finding out. That was really strong. They do
1: laundry and Rachel picks up the phone. Or no, they're talking. Rachel picks up the phone and she like calls Chandler laundry the next day because Chandler's the laundry that she's doing. It's really. Oh my God. When Phoebe hits on Chandler to get him to break i know that whole episode is fantastic it was extremely strong so i love
0: that episode and going off of that the whole chandler monogarque i think was amazing the proposal they had where it was going back and forth he thought she was gonna maybe end up with richard because chandler was making it seem like he didn't want marriage Mm -hmm. to make their surprise that much more powerful when he did propose to monica And then he comes to the apartment there's candles everywhere. And then she proposes it to him. She can't even do it. So then they both get down on one knee. That was really. It was touching. The episode was hilarious as well. But that whole part.
1: I like that Joey was like a big part of it too. I agree. That means a lot to Chandler. (laughs) He said Chandler's unlikely to take a wife. She said, I can't believe this. Walking back for a second. Okay. the episode where everyone finds out isn't that the same one where Ross goes on sabbatical because he has anger issues Cause uh, like, I can't I know, the, I know at the end of the episode he, he he's finds like, out I, yeah. yeah he has his boss there so like proved him that he's normal again and then he finds out and he just starts screaming yeah
0: it's so good. That?
1: that's so funny my sandwich <laughs> my sandwich
0: that was really good the whole first oh half of season five was really incredible. Riveting. So funny. There's that episode. The I also just uh, bring it up. The flashback episode in season three where it features all of their almost get-togethers. I always think those what-if episodes are interesting. From season one, the poker episode was pretty good. The blackout episode I thought was memorable. With Chandler oh, yeah. stuck in the...
1: <laughs> the vestibule.
0: Yes, I was trying to think of the ATM machine vestibule, the full line. Um, and then the really funny part of that episode, though, I don't know if you remember it, but Ross was out on the balcony with Rachel,
1: and he oh, was the gonna... cat.
0: Yes, the cat.
1: <laughs> the cat jumps That's on. That's the hardest like thing I've songs. ever learned.
0: It was so hilarious. I couldn't oh, stop laughing at that when I first saw it. It was so good.
1: Oh, that's when we're introduced to Paolo. Yeah. What does she Okay, here's a serious question for you. Were they on a break? You know I love this question. Because we've had arguments about this question.
0: We have. This was in the season three, which also was a really good episode. From the comedy standpoint of the other, the rest of the cast in the bedrooms while that's going
1: on oh so it was yeah. emotionally and they're eating the the they're eating what is it the wax the organic wax was that that episode yeah because they're stuck in the room and they're like oh, i'm really hungry and they have the organic wax uh, so yeah. they don't start eating it
0: because there's two different times i think where they've got like thrust into the bedroom while a ross rachel fiasco was happening but mm-hmm. that on a comedic level that was amazing and then on emotional level that was back when you know ross and rachel we cared about
1: it but no no because no, like the second time they get stuck in the bedroom joey stored snacks because he knew he it would happen again and he was ready and he stored I condoms that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> man that was funny. That's so funny all right so were they on a break or what
0: i'm saying yes they were what do you say
1: i say no We've had arguments about this.
0: Why do you say no, Rachel?
1: Because the term break wasn't well defined at the time she said it. Well, and that it's it has to do with Ross's thought process of we're on a break, it means I can sleep with someone else in my moment of emotional turmoil. Which is incorrect. But Rachel's like, terms of, like, we're on a break is, like, not we're broken up. We're just taking a break.
0: And so you know what would have been key to that conversation?
1: Clair- communication.
0: Yes. <sighs> <laughs> Clarification. <laughs> Clarification is key <laughs> for communication, which is also key.
1: I mean, but yeah, of course. Ross you. hangs up the phone before... Any communication can happen because he's well, got anger issues. Uh,
0: well, I think if you're looking at it from – and I am never one to defend the Rosses of the world, but if you were to <laughs> – if you were to – look at it from his point of view. She says – Ryan,
1: that had a lot of layers to it. <laughs>
0: it did. It really did. We're on a break. She says that. you He mentioned himself like, okay – There was no definition to what the break is. She said a break from us, which could mean a breakup, could mean just temporary pause, whatever. He goes to the bar, and he's talking with the copy machine, whatever. But he Mm -hmm. wasn't going to do anything. He called her, and she had Mark over at the apartment, and he heard Mark. Mm -hmm. So in his mind, we're not saying this is right, and it wasn't factually true, but he's perceiving Rachel says – we need to be on a break. And then at her apartment, Mark, the person that he's been unnecessarily and completely exaggeratedly jealous of, that's on mm-hmm. him. He shouldn't have been that possessive. But in his mind, this person, which it's in the open that he's threatened by Mark. Mark is at her apartment. He hears Mark. So in his mind, he's thinking, okay, this mm-hmm. break is either serious or she's sleeping with someone else. But whatever it is, it doesn't seem like it's just a temporary, let's cool off, be on a break for whatever. So in his mind, that's what was going on. So we established they are on a break. The break wasn't well defined, but then he believes Mark is at her apartment. Mark the person that I know is attracted to Rachel. Mark the person that Rachel mm. knows I am threatened of. After we just had a fight and are on a break, could mean break up, who knows? But certainly they're on a break, has been established. So that was what he saw. So when he did his thing, which he knew was a mistake. By the way, that next episode was also hilarious.
1: When oh, he, yeah. she called on
0: the answering machine and then he's like hiding her behind the door.
1: That okay, was very good. Hear me out here. Okay. Before we keep keep going, this is like if and when you re-watch this show, this is gonna be one of those moments where, like, I don't know, every time I rewatch this show or like a lot of other shows where they have similar things going on, I keep hoping that this time I watch it, they won't make those mistakes. Mm. Even though I know that, like I'm watching it and I'm like, maybe this time maybe this time they'll do this differently or they do that differently and it'll lead to a completely different outcome, but it'll, it'll never do it. Like they always end up making the same mistakes because it wouldn't make sense if they didn't chronologically in the theory of time. So like, it's just such an interesting feeling to me is watching it and like really hoping that they won't make the mistakes. And another thing I remember when I first watched this, I watched this, When I was like in 2014, 2015, which was like peak me, and
0: peak you, what does that mean? Yeah, like
1: peak my life. Like my life was like (laughs) really like hitting good marks there, and like I had like friends, and like there was no drama in my life.
0: Redefined. So you were on. I was on the ramp ramp upward. upward. You were not at the peak. (laughs) I was doing real like there was no drama
1: whatsoever. In my life with me or any of my friends or my family or anything. Like, I was just a, a normal kid with no problems. Other only than that like, would
0: have lasted, huh?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. But anyway, I was doing, like, great. And I, re- I, like, watched it and I was like, how could people be so stupid? <laughs> like, how could they make such stupid mistakes in their relationship and stuff like that? And now, rethinking about it, they could have made much more, like dumber mistakes like I've known people to make pretty stupid mistakes just like it it's crazy I was so naive back then Is
0: there mistakes like it but has there ever been an actual we were on a break fiasco that you've
1: no um, no heard of <laughs> no that'd be crazy if there was but anyway going back to what you were saying trying to like clarify the situation I agree I think Rachel and Ross both made serious mistakes and like they both like had moments where they breached their trust with one another right but i think it's ross's like non-willingness to communicate is what leads to the downfall of their relationship
0: i agree i think his possessiveness and immaturity leading up to mm-hmm. that is certainly one of the issues of why they just never really worked out. I think afterwards, though, both of them, the fact that they were, they clung to it so adamantly. The we were on a break joke is also a very good running gag.
1: When was when was the beach episode? Was that? That was season Was it four, the end of season three or the end of season four? And
0: like the opening of season four is when, 'Cause the end of season three they Yeah, they leave you on that
1: tonight. cliffhanger. Yeah. And then season and you, four,
0: which I thought was a very interesting that's a great subversion. Yeah. Well, the cliffhanger, but then the next episode, the subversion where they don't get back together and then they're yelling at each other. He's
1: My favorite thing is out. when he walks into the room and they're both in there. What do you mean? Like he walks into the room and Rachel and the girl he's dating at the time are both in the room. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that because then I was just like, You doing this to me? <laughs> but then he breaks up with her. That was, yeah, you're right. It was like a good diversion. It's like, you really think they're getting back together, and then it just ends with him getting frustrated and saying, We were on a break and it's over. Yeah.
0: But yeah, her when they were back at the apartment, because she had written a letter, which he fell asleep reading, and he was like, I agree. But in the letter was her saying, You need to take full responsibility. And he was like, I'm not taking full responsibility. She's like, what the heck? You need to. So (laughs) then they have the argument reignites over that. And then she's like, we'll never get back together. And he fakes cry. He goes, uh, uh, fine by me. And they just are cutthroat at each other. I thought that was hilarious to see. And I'd imagine in real time watching that, could you imagine after season three, They had that breakup, and then you think they're going to get together. You wait a whole year, and then (laughs) immediately it falls back out from under you.
1: Oh, I can't imagine being in like – because I've only ever binged it. And so can you imagine waiting that whole year?
0: Yeah, that would have been really frustrating, the whole highs and lows. and I love you. Don't marry her. I love you. Don't divorce me. Like it's absurd the things that they kept – going oh, back and forth
1: really, for it to extend they really it. Kept doing it I love this just popped into my head but it's like season 7 or 8 Jacob. and Ross is dating a girl whose father is Bruce Willis <laughs> and they're at the cabin <laughs> and Bruce Willis goes into the room to pep talk himself up to like have sex with Rachel I think it's the one where Paul's the man. I think this is the name of it. Because he's just like, who's the man? Paul's the man. <laughs> it's so funny. I just completely forgot that happened. It just popped into my head. That I is love good he won
0: an Emmy for that.
1: He deserved it. It was <laughs> so funny.
0: That was a great episode. Paul Stevens. Yes. <laughs> this is the character's name.
1: Oh, my God. That's hilarious. it's so funny.
0: Okay, any other... I thought all the wedding episodes were also incredible. They are very magical. Especially the season four finale one. Because, again, with the crazy cliffhanger of Ross saying Rachel's name, but then the reveal of Chandler and Monica being together. That is still such a great scene.
1: Yeah, where you find out that Chandler and Monica slept together. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the creators really just wanted it to be like a one night stand but then they just liked how the chemistry worked and so
0: they did yeah they thought it'd be funnier to see how they dealt with it which I'm so glad they did and then I'm glad again
1: they But they ended up doing that same thing with uh Joey and Rachel was like sometimes friends don't work out like I think that's what they wanted to do with Monica and Chandler but it turns out they do work out so right. they tried it with Joey and Rachel and it just doesn't work the Rachel and Joey thing I thought was stupid You didn't like it? I like the idea of like friends date and it just like doesn't work sometimes. And so it just ends.
0: It was just strange. And because it happened season nine going into season 10, where we know the final destination is supposed to be Ross and Rachel, it seemed so odd that after having a child with Ross, she would Mm -hmm. now get this sudden attraction to this other one of the main friend group that she would then I'm get sorry, that attraction. have
1: you seen Matt LeBlanc? I have. Yeah.
0: I'm asking why didn't she get attracted in season 1? Did you see season 1 Matt LeBlanc?
1: I'm well, didn't she didn't she cuz like they did the flashback. I know Monica was into Joey when they first met. Yeah, he that tried was to do like, naked man.
0: <laughs> yes. Terrible. Um but no, Rachel never that was never a thing cuz From the very first episode, Ross was like, can I maybe ask you out sometime? And She said, maybe. So they clearly set them up. So there was never a Rachel-Joey thing until season eight where Joey liked her. And then she said no. And then now in season 10, now she's like, actually. So it was strange to me that going into the final season, when we know endgame relationship is supposed to be Ross and Rachel, That they would try to have a Rachel Joey. And then Mm -hmm. it lasted one episode. They had this whole sweet thing of Ross. Well, not sweet. Ross being, again, a possessive, crazy person. But then he's like, you know what? Joey, I'm happy for you. You do what you gotta do. My fajitas. (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty good um david schwimmer david schwimmer Schwimmer just
1: every once in a while he'll just say something really loud and it's just (laughs) very funny oh my god when he's like tries so hard to date charlie in i think it's season 10 and he tries so long to date her and then they're dating for a while and then she just falls back in love with the interviewer that whole interviewing process i know what's his name oh it's so funny I don't know the name. I should know his name. He's in uh, the Jack Nicholson movie, as good as it gets. Greg Kinnear.
0: Yes, you're right.
1: God, he was great in that. The one episode he was in. Absolutely hilarious. That was pretty good.
0: Season 10, for the most part, I didn't really... There were some gems, but most of it I was like, eh? The writing I didn't think was good. But the final few episodes starting with phoebe's wedding mm-hmm. that was really sweet paul rudd what a guy
1: were you on uh the paul rudd team or were you on the mike team or the david team
0: well i knew mike was gonna win in the end because i think alexis wrote yeah, it for me um probably. but by the way she needs to finish watching friends did she ever i doubt She it. said she would start but I don't I, doubt
1: know. It. I don't know if she even started
0: uh but no, I did think Mike was better. I don't know. There's too much of the Ross Rachel vibes with Phoebe and David, of them uh-huh. like being too far apart and then maybe getting together and then doesn't happen and then oh wait. Yeah. Just a little too messy.
1: I think that's also probably one of my favorite things from the show is when she Joey says he's gonna set Phoebe up with a blind date and then forgets and then says his name is Mike, and so he goes into the coffee shop and just says, Mike and paul rudd looks up and then like seven six or seven seasons later paul rudd marries phoebe
0: six or seven what seasons episodes seasons paul rudd was only in the final two it happened that late
1: no i know they met early and then like six or seven seasons later they got married
0: What I don't think I'm the Mike where he was introduced was episode or it was in season nine.
1: It was. Yeah. I could have sworn it was earlier. No,
0: that would have been crazy. But no, the David thing was where it was stretched out over the whole season. I could have
1: sworn she like met David and then like they broke up because he moved away, and then like a couple seasons later she met Mike and then they broke up, and then a couple more seasons <laughs> later Mike and David fight for her.
0: Nah, it was season 9.
1: That's insane.
0: Makes it even funnier, kinda.
1: Kinda, cause he just like, comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's weird to me.
0: And becomes Phoebe's lobster.
1: Aww. You're right, it is season 9, that's crazy. I think season 9 and 10 just felt really long to me. I guess. A lot of <laughs> Seven stuff Seven or eight seasons long. <laughs> Really? I really thought that. it was a lot earlier. Oh, well. But what yeah, were your thoughts on the series finale?
0: I liked it. The Chandler, Monica, their dynamic I thought was awesome. And then the getting twins instead of the one baby. And again, they have the Chandler has this moment of, oh, God, I can't do this. I can do this. But then they decide to go into it as a team, which I thought was super touching. And then the Ross and Rachel thing, even though they're obviously a toxic pair and shouldn't really, like in real life, they should not be together at all. But I think because it's a television show, that's why it getting stretched out over 10 seasons. I think one, it would have happened either way a long time before then. Either of them just completely never them dropping their feelings altogether or finally getting together i wish they would have spent season 10 leading up to them to that happening because again season 10 starts with rachel and joey like ross essentially is okay with his very close friend who he calls his best friend dating the mother of his child which is a very mature decision yeah if they would have gone through with that that i think would have been a way to detail how he has grown from the possessive person he was in season two and three when he first started dating. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. And then we had all switcheroo. And in season 10, even – or in the final episode, they didn't really address any of the issues that have kept them apart for so long, which is the jealousy and whatnot. Like I think yeah, no, still in season a... nine, he still like didn't – he took a message – for somebody who had called her because she met him at the bar Mm -hmm. um, and he took the number and hid it so that she could never find it in season 9 that's still wildly immature and again they're parents now they have a child together I wish they just would have spent more time showing them growing out of the people who they were who were incompatible to become better versions of themselves who could fully and healthy healthily Love each other
1: sure. in a way that Health wasn't worries.
0: so toxic. Yeah. So I wish they would have gone that route for season 10, but in the series finale, it was still interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: The whole airport. I think the
1: Chandler Monica thing. thing is better.
0: Oh, most definitely.
1: I do love though, when she's on the plane and it's Jim Rash from community who plays the Dean and Phoebe's just like, the left phalange is broken. And she's like, "Uh, he's just making something. He's like, I'm sorry. The left phalange? That sounds serious. (laughs) He like derails an entire plane taking off because of Phoebe. And it's like absolutely bizarre, but it makes me laugh so hard. Just because it's Jim Rash from Community. It's so funny.
0: That is funny. I also would have liked. I don't know if it would have been as compelling. And I guess they wouldn't have been able to do the final shot. But I would have preferred if Ross were to go to Paris with her instead of her... Staying? ...choosing to stay and giving up that one opportunity. Because, I don't know, it somewhat mirrors... It would have
1: been him growing up and her being able to fulfill her dreams. Definitely.
0: I think that would have been a more satisfying way to show them really that they're really going to work it out. Cause again, they didn't, there's nothing to tell us that this time it's going to be any different from what happened before. Yeah. Whereas that Paris gesture might've solidified it more. What were your thoughts?
1: I, when I first watched it I was really happy, I was like, Yay, Ross and Rachel are back together and then I watched it again like the second time and I was like, Why are they together? <laughs> they shouldn't be together. It's terrible. <laughs> They're bad for each other. And like I think I was just happy because they have to get to the like a kid together and now they can be like a couple and like the kid has like two parents that are together instead of separate. But at the same time, now that I'm older I know that just because parents are together doesn't mean the child's happy. But uh, anyway, yeah, diverting away from that heavy topic. I liked the, uh, the Monica and Chandler ending where they got twins. And they moved out to the suburbs. I just like that's just such a nice ending for them. They got two nice kids. They moved house. They're like just a family together. And it's nice. I wish there was more closure with Joey's character. Did but you he get his own spinoff? See
0: the first two seasons of Joey, the only two seasons of Joey.
1: No, I didn't. But he did get his own spinoff. If any character was going to get a spinoff, it was going to be him.
0: I agree.
1: But I like how Phoebe and Mike tied the knot, so she had <laughs> something to I just wish Joey had gotten more of closure. But other than that, I liked it. It was nice. It ended. It it's fine. Now, I'm upset. Okay,
0: HBO Max, they're going to mm-hmm. have a reunion special where mm-hmm. it's the actors getting together and talking about the show and its legacy and whatnot. It got delayed because of coronavirus. It was supposed to premiere with the streaming service when it came out. But mm-hmm. they're hoping to shoot it in August. Hopefully that'll happen. But with this would be the first time in a long time that all six... Actors would be getting together For some televised event And it is bringing up Speculations That there might be A revival In the vein mm. of all the recent Shows Will that have been revised yeah, Revived yeah Will and Grace, Gossip Girl Or Gilmore Girls what was it? Gilmore Girls Yeah that one came back
1: um, Gossip Girl ended when we found out who Gossip Girl was Dang <laughs> Still can't believe I never watched that show, but I know who Gossip Girl is. I don't. I have no clue. But anywho,
0: should they? Well, would they bring it back? And then, do you think should they?
1: No, (laughs) I'm okay for a reunion special, but like a, a revival for like a whole season of television, I just can't see it being good. Really? Yeah. I just. What are they gonna do? How are you gonna get the characters all together? Like. They don't live across from each other. And they don't hang out all the time. What's the event that brings them to them together? Does Joey die or something? Like that'd I don't be
0: terrible. I don't think they do that. That'd be
1: terrible. But like I'm sure they I can't clap. imagine the
0: kid Emma something with her something with the kid yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All their kids die, so they're back to being just friends, <laughs> not families anymore. And so they all move in together and just be sad. And it's a drama, and it's not. It's a single cam drama. <laughs> Not even like a, a comedy, and they're just sad together, and they're just crying over their dead kids the whole show. Wow! And yeah. that's the entire show. What a lovely way. And Joey's to bring it back. just like trying to comfort them because he doesn't have kids. <laughs> Dang. How incredible! Joey's talking about all his successes in in Hollywood after two seasons of Joey. <laughs> Did you ever watch episodes with Matt LeBlanc where he played himself?
0: No, I saw it though on Netflix and I was like that'd be that funny was to
1: watch. Hilarious. He plays himself and he's such a dick. And it's so funny. I don't think I'd ever watch it again because it wasn't like I wasn't like that into it as like a show in general, but Matt LeBlanc was hilarious.
0: You're a fan of LeBlanc, huh?
1: Yes I am. He's so funny. He, he is. kills me. So anyway
0: you're, you're saying a hard no.
1: Yeah, to revival. Yeah, what are you saying?
0: I'm also saying no. Yeah. Per my reasoning for why I think Friends is such a strong show, with all the the ideas of friends being your family. Now they have family, mm-hmm. or most of them. So RIP Joy. So it would be odd. I don't think that there they would be a lack of storylines or anything. I'm no. sure they'd be able to come up with stuff, and it might be interesting to see middle-aged version of Friends because there's a lot of. I mean, I wouldn't know. None of us know. Sprouse but
1: shows up at Ben, like Dylan <laughs> Sprouse pops in. and He's like, "Hey, I'm Ben." Then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic, and but then yeah. it cuts into the dramedy. That's how I would write it. <laughs> well, let's be glad
0: that they're not reaching out to you. <laughs> Um, but so I don't think that there'd be a lack of things that they could do or say, but I also think they'll never actually do it. Getting the six one, first of all, it would cost them so much money to do the production just to pay the actors.
1: They're all mm-hmm. multi-millionaires. They've made like, like a million dollars an episode in season 10. They like each made a million dollars an episode. Which, Which is, is insane. Yes, wild. So bringing
0: them all together would cost far too much. Mm-hmm. But again, because of the magic, I think, of Friends was that period in their life where Friends was family and they had their support group was each other. Now they have their own lives to lead, as we all must, at a certain point. So I think bringing it all back together and trying to find some unrealistic or improbable way to get them all together again for each Mm -hmm. episode where they'd have to be in contact, Mm -hmm. I think it would undermine the legacy that these first 10 seasons had. So I don't think they will, and they probably should not. I agree. Alrighty, so that was Friends.
1: It was a long time on Friends. I I had a good time talking to you about it. I'm glad you enjoyed watching it. I hope you watched again sometime in the future, and you get to experience it a second time. And really, like, like it's kind of an interesting feeling to watch it, knowing what's going to happen. So, I hope you get a chance to rewatch it. Now, the next show I want to talk about for just a little bit here, because you haven't seen it, and I hope you do.
0: Yeah, pitch it to me.
1: Make me watch it. All right. It's called Community. And it is my favorite comedy show. It's my favorite comedy show of all time. Now, it was created by Dan Harmon, who has done this and Rick and Morty, and that's about it. And when I first watched this show, I thought it was a show that was too good to be true. And I only had that feeling when I watched Arrested Development beforehand. Like, I'd watched Arrested Development first, and I was like, this show's too good to be true. Like, to to be an actually good show. Mm. And I was right, because after three seasons, they canceled it, Arrested Development, and then they brought it back, and it was okay, and then it went away, and then they brought it back for season five, and it was still just okay, and then that was the end. I see. And then Community, they did a similar thing, before I get into what the show is about and stuff, it's three seasons where Dan Hard was the showrunner. And they were three, they were the three best seasons. They were great. Then the fourth season happens and they fire Dan Harmon for a multitude of reasons, like negotiations and timing issues that he has in terms of producing good content and whatnot. It takes him a while to, him and his writing staff, to write something good. And the, the network was getting tired of it and they were having fights and stuff. So they fired him and then they got two guys to replace him. And the fourth season was doo doo. Got and then it. the fifth season, Dan Harmon comes back. And the last two seasons, seasons five and six, pretty good. Pretty good. But the first three seasons, wow. <laughs> the landline again. I know. I didn't know people still actually called landlines, let alone have them. Is Chandler dirty talking. Or Monica. jeez. Oh, <laughs> anyway, it's... When I first started watching it, the first three seasons are probably some of the greatest television that's ever been made because it was this sitcom that was both self-aware and not only self-aware, but like what you would expect, but then also what you wouldn't expect. They framed it in a way that any sitcom would be framed in. It's just seven people who meet together in They're different walks of life who just happen to become friends. There are seven people that go to community college for different reasons. And they end up in a Spanish study group together just by happenstance. And they just go through adventures for six seasons. And I don't know. It's like they knew what they were making. They knew it was a sitcom. And they decided to do, like, they wanted to be different than all the other sitcoms. But you can't just be different. Like it was still just a sitcom. It was still, each, each week, it was a new situation. The characters do something funny. There's an A story, a B story. They're having fun. They learn a lesson, end of the episode, yada, 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 yada. But th- the thing I think they do the most different is that they are self aware about what they're making and they, they can jump genres, which is not something sitcoms do, nor most anything does. Mm. They were able to jump genres from like, one episode they'll do like a western paintball episode, one episode they do a blanket fort war that's framed like a Ken Burns documentary. Like, they just did different things every once in a while to spice it up, and then all the episodes in between are just really funny normal sitcom stuff, but with these characters that were just larger than life. And there's just something about the show that when I watch it, it just makes me so happy. Like, it's just so funny and I love all the characters and they're just so well written and it's just makes me happy. Just such a great show. And I've never found a show to make me that happy ever since. And it makes me so sad when I finish it every time because awesome. I know there has not been a show that makes me like that happy when I watch it.
0: When did you first, when was your first time watching it?
1: Oh God, it must've been like junior, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when it like went on Netflix or something or knows Hulu. I think it was on Hulu and I watched it there. And then recently they put it on Netflix. And so I watched it on Netflix. If you want to watch community, it's on Netflix. Okay. Right now. And it's Who incredible. Is your favorite character? One hundred percent Abed. I don't think you know the characters very well, but there's seven main characters. It's Jeff, who's like the straight man, the main guy. Um, he's the voice of reason most of the time, and he like the cool player, Harrison Ford kind of guy. That's Joel McHale. Um, there's Britta, who's obnoxious a lot. Uh, Donald Glover plays Troy. And he's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Donald Glover's probably the funniest performer out of all of them. But as a character, I just love Abed the most. Because mm. he's he's what the show represents, is this self-aware, incredibly intelligent, and extremely confident person that just is very different from everyone else. And you would think that like he stands out like a sore thumb, and, like, you would think, like, it would be weird to be him and that you would be uncomfortable being him, but he's just so confident all the time. And that's what the show was. It was weird but overly confident in a good way. And I love that about it. I, I mean, see. it's so good. Now, one of the running jokes through the show was six seasons and a movie, that they're going to make six seasons in a movie. And they made six seasons, and they're talking about a movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's going to be a movie because Dan Harmon has yet to try and write something and Donald Glover is very expensive nowadays. It would be very hard to pull him in. And they're not going to work with Chevy Chase again, so Chevy Chase isn't going to be in it, even though he was in the show for four seasons. I see. So he wouldn't be in the movie. All kinds of drama happened with Chevy Chase and everyone else. So that's (laughs) his own thing. But he left after season four and... I don't think they'll make a movie, which is kind of sad, but I'm okay with it because I have good, it's a good show and I enjoy watching it and it makes me happy. And Alexa recently watched it and she loved it. She watched the whole thing. So that was incredible. I highly recommend you watch it, Ryan, if you're going to watch a new TV show. All right. I think you would love it. I recommend it to everybody. Community is fantastic. Ken Jeong is in it from The Hangover. He's great. Jim Rash from the final episode of Friends is in it. He's great. Ah, uh, Just so many unique and gifted people coming together to make such a good show. I see. I love so it.
0: top so you said season three, some of the or season one through three, the greatest mm-hmm. television you've Some ever of the greatest
1: seen. TV I've ever seen in my life. Yeah.
0: That is it's some high admiration phenomenal. you have for it.
1: Oh, a hundred percent.
0: right, I will give it a watch when I get enough to
1: if it was as good as the first three seasons were, like, all the way through, it'd probably be my favorite TV show. But because it's not Breaking Bad, hits the top of the list. Because right. that's just and through a great show. That but is it's not one, a one
0: thing about Friends, at least, that it didn't get crippled by, like, an actor leaving or a key creator leaving. Mm-hmm. It was pretty consistent throughout its entire run, which was 10 yeah. seasons, which is even crazier. Yeah. But Community... I, I highly like recommend.
1: Two. I mean, I've heard it's about only it. six seasons. It'll take you no time. Yeah, the last three seasons are very short. They're like thirteen episodes a pop. Mm. All righty, very good. And the last show we want to really dig into is one that we've actually both seen and that most people have seen. It's a little show called <laughs> The Office. It was created by Greg Daniels. And it it was one of my favorite shows at the, the first time I watched it. But now, it's been a while since I've seen it. And I've fallen a little bit out of love with it. What do you think?
0: You've fallen a bit out of love? Mm-hmm. How come?
1: Um, Well, first, it's been a long time since I've seen it. And I've just seen so many good things. Like, I think I haven't seen The Office since before. I watched Community. Um, I think Parks and Rec is a better show. Uh, I just think the show is hard to watch after Michael leaves. Yeah, like it's it's not like it's not even like it's a bad show. It's just not nearly as good because Steve Carell just owned that show, and that's like what the gimmick was was that you go Office is showing this day of the week, you can go and watch Steve Carell absolutely kill for half an hour. And then you can be interested by the Jim and Pam love quadruplet with Karen and Roy (laughs) and Dwight be weird. And like, you could just do that for half an hour and just check out and it's fun to watch. But then Steve Carell left and it was just, I don't know. About half as good, I would say. Right. I, I don't
0: know. I a hundred percent agree. I think everyone realizes there was a dip in quality. When Michael left, mm-hmm. and I think more of that was complicated by some of the there was a lot of weird decisions they made in the later parts, like Abing. What was the printer company called? It starts with an S. Saber. Saber, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. That whole entire thing was just very strange. To me personally i didn't like that element that they were adding and the constant switching between who was manager who was the ceo Mm -hmm. it got dull because i felt like we had seen a lot of that before and it wasn't very compelling and also that character andy destroyed him absolutely destroyed it and i didn't really i hated that dude because he was meant to be unlikable when he was first introduced in season three Mm -hmm. but he grew into his own as a multi-dimensional character but then towards the end they just made him a dick
1: they really did and it was like when he went on on his boat trip he was just bad like the rest of after the boat trip he was just a mean guy i don't know he was like interesting when he first got the job as the manager and then I don't know what happened. I really like, uh oh, what's his name? He plays the CEO of Sabre once he convinces Kathy Bates to step down. What? Uh, what's his name? James Spader. Yes. When James Spader convinces Kathy Bates. Yes, Robert California. I think Robert California was very funny.
0: I did too. Some people didn't like him, but I thought he was funny. I, like,
1: I thought James Bader was very funny. I'm glad they had him on it. I think
0: we are partial to James Bader, but I do think that was a good addition they made post the Michael Scott era. The one episode where they were at his mansion, it oh. sticks out to me for whatever reason. It was really funny. <laughs> he likes skinny dips in front of all of them at the end, I think. He was a crazy dude. So I thought that was interesting that they made him such an intimidating guy at first and then you just pull the layers back and he's weirder and weirder. Which totally fit in with the rest of the show, Mm -hmm. so that I did like. But yes, the final couple seasons were
1: lacking. Mm -hmm. So who's your favorite character on the office? I think aside from obviously Michael Scott, because mm-hmm. he's my favorite. let's anything. just say, let's just say besides Michael Scott, who's your favorite character?
0: And I also think, I don't know, Jim and Pam should be removed because they were the most normal and relatable people, mm. uh, which is why you know, their, as you said, their romantic arc is part of... It was interesting. Know, yeah, you need that element of the wacky characters doing their thing, but then also something engrossing, such as their, their Will connection. They Won't They, which got resolved far sooner than the Ross Rachel thing. Something which was like good. That. Yeah, and I really thought... I love that episode
1: where he like breaks up with Kara, and then he busts into the room in the middle of the interview, and he's like, hey, date? And she's like, yeah. And then it's just like, they did it. Yeah, that was beautiful. And as they a side it, note, yeah. there's
0: something about season six weddings. Because the Jim and Pam wedding, that was a great episode. That was, was Niagara good. Falls. Yeah. That was really top notch. Um. So I, don't know, I would probably say Jim. Because also, John Krasinski, I have liked him more and more. As time goes on, yeah. With his whole John Some Good News Network thing oh. that he did recently.
1: That's Amazing. great stuff right there. John Krasinski is incredible. And Jim, one of my favorite parts of the show is Jim's pranks. Like, they're yes. just very funny. But I think Dwight is my favorite character because I just love the way his character changes, but still like stays relevantly weird the entire time but like he like changes but stays true to his roots in ter- as a funny character and i like that i think i think dwight is the only character that never like dipped in quality or left mm. so i like that i like that a lot what did you think of the finale i enjoyed it i
0: think though it was somewhat undermined I don't know there's just weird things like the Mindy Kaling's character and mm-hmm. BJ Novak their little thing I wasn't too enthralled by that send-off I thought again the way they character assassinated Andy because in the mm-hmm. end he like goes out to be a famous person and he fails miserably and he's just mm-hmm. like a miserable dude and I was like what that's not satisfying.
1: Well, he ends happily. Like, he works at uh, Cornell, and he's just, like, content. He just, like, becomes content with his life. Which, yeah, but... Which is just okay. Again,
0: it was a strange journey that he had, where he just ends up as, eh, content. Mm-hmm. The Michael Scott inclusion. It was great to see him, but obviously he had a subdued role in it. Because I Mm -hmm. think, personally, he didn't want to overshadow everyone else. And the show wasn't just Michael Scott. Like It would have been great if it was just him. But Jim and Pam are also, and Dwight, are essential aspects of it. And then all the supporting characters, in their own way, elevate what The Office was.
1: Yeah, but they never got like their own time to shine, really. They never got their own real development. Except for Angela, because she was dating Dwight. I agree.
0: Which was another one of those... Sad aspects that was a show where it seems like every season, like with b j Novak's character, I also the back and forth that they did with him initially was funny where he came up with i forget what it's called, but he tried to come up with some app or online thing wolf when he oh, was in wolf. the <laughs> in the closet wolf dot com that was funny, and then him becoming the boss temporarily was funny mm mm-hmm um but then later on and then towards the end of the show like season nine i think also he also dropped off yeah he was
1: only in the first and
0: last episodes i think which i know as on the whole i feel like this suffered from that the Mm -hmm. cartoon sitcom thing where they just reset every few episodes and we didn't get any real investment into these characters because they don't change and you're Mm -hmm. right for if you want to just play something turn your brain off for a bit and get some good comedy i think it's great but part of the emotional investment of jim and pam for instance and even michael scott the evolution that he's able to go through it's that change that really makes those characters stand out Mm -hmm. um so (laughs) drawing all that back to the finale i thought a lot of the send-offs were pretty good. And the whole mm-hmm. Michael thing where he had to be subdued, I thought was unfortunate because, you know, it's the final time we're going to see this man get his appearance. Um, and I don't know, we, we seem to focus on some of the side characters that we didn't invest a lot of time in throughout the rest of the series. We kept them in those supporting roles. We didn't let them shine. So then the man who shined throughout the seven seasons We don't let him shine in the finale. It just seemed Mm -hmm. weird to me. So I liked it, but it's not one of my favorites.
1: Let me tell you, though, I've seen this show like three times, and every time Michael shows up in that finale, just tears. You
0: cry. You cry when he leaves too, don't
1: you? Yeah, I do. Tears (laughs) in both. Just so sad. Oh. I think my favorite episode by far is from season four. It's called Dinner Party. That is a great one. It's so funny. And he's got like the TV. And he just like pushes (laughs) it back slightly. And it's like a a 12-inch TV. Oh, my God. And he's dipping his meat in the the wine. And Jan's playing the song from her secretary. (laughs) Yeah. And she has like the candle Serenity by Jan. Oh, it's so funny.
0: That That's was really episode. well written. It was written all episode. about the laughs. It was, yeah. The bloopers for that is also incredibly. Oh, large. I love the
1: bloopers. They could not get through the TV scene. All the bloopers
0: so- for the show, because I would, ev- after every season, I would watch the bloopers right afterwards. And that was always oh hilarious, a fantastic way to cap off some of those seasons. So I agree, Dinner Party is amazing. That is certainly an episode that when I'm like, oh, what do I want to watch? I don't really want to start anything new. Let me watch Dinner Party. Oh, and it's still always so fantastic. Funny. Going off of that, I think season five, episode 14, Stress Relief. Is oh, yeah.
1: That's a great episode. one. Where Dwight starts a fire. Yes. Oh the my cold God. open was fantastic. Incredible. What is it that oh. he
0: says to Stan when he's having the heart
1: attack? You're black, Stanley. Obama is President Stanley.
0: Yes, yeah, something like that to get him awake. <laughs> it's so good. But then the rest of that episode as well, where the whole CPR thing... Oh, yeah. Oh, and then God. cutting off the mannequin's face, which did so... did, putting on his own. That was another really well-written, extremely comedic episode. I just can't believe he didn't get fired. I know. That was funny, too, yeah. They yeah. kept meeting with, is it David, the CEO? Mm-hmm, David Walls. Yeah.
1: So funny. Of Dunder Mifflin. Dunder Mifflin. Now we've talked about three shows so far, one that's multicam, one that's single cam, and one that's mockumentary. What's your favorite type of style for like a sitcom? Um That's a good question, Dylan. I think mm-hmm.
0: the way that laugh tracks function in sitcoms like Friends are the same mm-hmm. way that zoom ins function for mockumentaries like mm-hmm. The Office. And as we talked about in some ways having that laugh track and that zoom can be can elevate mm-hmm. how funny you perceive whatever happened whatever is happening. I there's obviously a a distaste for the laugh track because it's hammering us over the head and I think Shows like the Big Bang Theory are really what get a bad rap for it. As they probably should. Um, (laughs) But Friends, which is recorded in front of an actual live studio audience. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I think. Having that sense of, oh, other people are finding this funny with me. Can be. It's nice in a way. And I think, I don't think it detracts from the quality of the jokes. There is some video online that compares The Office and Friends and shows that like four minutes of Friends is just laugh track, which is a little absurd. So in terms of comedy efficiency, mockumentary styles, you're able to have more laughs because less time of it is spent listening to other people laugh. Yeah, It's a jokes that you personally don't find funny. So Mm -hmm. I don't hate laugh track shows, but there is a point where if every show were laugh track shows, it would just get so annoying. Yeah, I think by the same token, the whole mockumentary thing which has really exploded lately um, Mm -hmm. with Parks and Rec, The Office, all that I also feel the same way about that. When you're watching the show, it's interesting. It doesn't feel strange because you get acclimated to it and so you expect... Parks and
1: Rec especially because there's like There's never, like, talk about how it's a documentary in Parks and Rec. It's just, like, the style, and then every once in a while, there's a talking head. Right. So you just get used to it even more than The Office, which I kind of like.
0: Yeah. So you get acclimated to that, and you can sort of expect when that the look into the camera from Jim is coming, and in its own way, that becomes a part of the comedy. So in that sense, it's interesting when... I haven't watched The Office in a while and I go back into it. I have to adjust a little bit to the constant swinging the camera back and forth and zooming in. Mm -hmm. You sort of got to dip your toes into it again before it can really not be jarring. Mm -hmm. So,
1: you know, it's interesting, actually, that I think about it. Uh, Have you ever seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I have not. It's it's the same guy who created Parks and Rec and wrote on The Office and it's got like the same kind of camera moves a Machiavelli would have. Like it's very handheld and has the zoom ins and all of those kinds of stuff to add to the jokes. But there's no uh, talking heads. There's no like times where they talk to the camera. Instead, they do cutaways like Family Guy. Mm-hmm. They're like cut away to a time in the past or cut away to a joke or something, which I think is really interesting. Is that? Do you think
0: that sort of achieves the best of both worlds?
1: I think so. Like it really like. Because you just completely forget about the mockumentary feel to it. But when a, a camera zoom hits it perfectly, it's hysterical. Like it yeah. nails it on the head. And then like the cutaways are hilarious. Like they'll just – it's a cutaway just for the joke. Like there's no other point for the cutaway except to make you laugh. And that's why it's so funny. Right. And so I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine does that really well. That's
0: interesting. I do think yeah. – It's a generational thing for us to find zoom ins so funny, but it can really elevate something like all the vines and whatnot. Back in the day, I'm remembering what's coming to mind right now is the Kermit one where he's singing the Usher song of (laughs) shoddy. I don't mine. And then it zooms in on on that. It would have been funny anyway, but
1: (laughs) the zoom in elevates it. And you did not even say it's funny because of the zoom, and you say it's funny because it's Kermit the Frog singing Usher. But like, the zoom does so much to add to that, which is so funny. A
0: hundred percent. So I find that interesting. How mockumentary, especially for our gen generation coming up, is becoming more and more common and more and more a part of what makes things funny. Like even random YouTube videos and whatnot, just zooming in on whatever's going on mm-hmm. packs that additional comedic punch. Like you yeah. said, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if there's an amazing zoom, it lands perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's just hysterical. So I find Perfect. that interesting that that's becoming more, like I think we are moving away from lap tracks, and getting spoon-fed that to us. The zoom is still cueing us, this is funny, but it's in a more subtle fashion. Mm-hmm. So i find that interesting so to answer your question um i like both and i think the feel of the show and the way they go about it is really what makes the technique work so for a show like the office that as a sitcom because it relies on cringe humor it just wouldn't work mm-hmm. with a lap track mm-hmm. whereas friends It's much more about the dialogue or some loud thing that Ross is shouting. So it works with what the lap track is. So I think if the show is built around the technique in a smart way, then I'd prefer whatever that version is.
1: Yeah. Like, it's all about the type of humor you're trying to go for. Exactly. Like, one of the episodes in Community, it opens with... um, all of a sudden it's a multi-cam show just for the fun of it. And so they have the laugh track and everything. And the humor is just like completely, like they purposefully change the humor to be just like one liners that they can get like a laugh track on and like sight gags and things like that instead of like genuinely funny, like witty and dry humor kind of stuff. Okay. And so that's very interesting. It's, it's all about the like kind of humor you want to do. And then, so you're saying like the kind of humor you want to do impacts your decision to what kind of show you're going to make exactly and not like exactly vice, yeah. not, not vice versa so like if i was so you think if someone's going to make a show like a comedy show they should think about because i'm sure there's plenty people who are like i want to make a multi-cam sitcom show and then i'll figure it out later and maybe it's just not the right type of humor but maybe there are people who are like i love one-liners and i love sight gags and i love just like crazy expletive like loud noises and stuff <laughs> i guess i <laughs> should do a multi-cam, you know. Right? That's a good point. I like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's the way I see it with that. And it goes for the same for the viewer. If you sort of mm-hmm. want to be like, I wanna feel like I'm a part of something, laughing along with people, the laugh track can work. Or if you want to get that wittier, more comedy efficient, zoom in type of mockumentary, mm-hmm. you reach for a show like The Office.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are all good points, yeah. Well, anyway, we have some sitcom recommendations for everyone out there that you can stream because of Rona times, and we want you all to stay indoors, stay safe, and not go crazy. Not get bored out of your minds. So, uh, The Scrubs is on Hulu, and so is How I Met Your Mother. Uh, the Simpsons is on Disney+, Plus, of course. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on Hulu. Parks and Recreation is on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld is on Hulu, Malcolm in the Middle is on Hulu, Thirty Rock is on Amazon Prime. The good, the good, place, good place is, is on Netflix. Netflix, yeah. Yeah. And is it blackish available anywhere? I think it might be on Netflix.
0: I'm not a hundred percent sure though. There's also Grownish and mixed ish mm-hmm. that go into that thing. But yeah, I'm not too sure because I think that's A B C. So it might end up on Hulu actually because the rest of the ABC flock (laughs) seems to go there.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, those are all great recommendations for you. If you want to send us some recommendations of shows that we can tell people about on our show, you can email us at at theboxofficeshow at gmail.com. We'd be happy to share your recommendations. We just want to keep people, you know, indoors safe and satisfied and happy. Yeah. Not bored. Nobody wants to be bored.
0: That is true a lot of good content to work through there and of course we've tried to make the argument for friends on hbo max community (laughs) which you had on netflix and then the Mm -hmm. office
1: which it's on netflix it's on netflix currently okay it's still there well they fought for it to keep to keep it and netflix like paid the money to keep it because people like demanded
0: well good for netflix They kept one thing on there.
1: Sorry. Sorry (laughs) about your friend's mishap. HBO Max won out on that one. They did. But it's okay.
0: I was able to finish it off right. But moving on from our recommendations of sitcoms, we have the movie of the week, Dylan. Tell me about it.
1: Our movie of the week is called Making Love, and it was written by Barry Sandler. Who was our professor at the University of Central Florida? And it was directed by Arthur Hiller, who also directed uh, Love Story in the Hospital. And it starred Michael Aunt Keen from um, uh, Twin Peaks, Kate Jackson, and Harry Hamlin. Uh, it was one of the first gay love stories from Hollywood to feature a positive ending for the gay characters. At the time, if there was gonna be a gay story, the, the gay characters would either die or become depressed or just... Or they were stereotypes. Stereotypes, just like real dramatic or f- like flaky endings. And this is a movie, and it came out in 1982, and it was about just a man realizing that he's gay and like going through the emotions of that and then just ending happily uh, dating a man. And it's just a very positive movie about a, a man learning about his sexuality. And it's just like it, it's a feel-good kind of movie it's it's got drama into it it's interesting it's written very well it's, it's just a good movie
0: i 100 percent agree the opening of it is extremely memorable
1: oh i love that so much where this it's 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 kate jackson and harry hamlin just talking about michael Ankeen for like yeah. five minutes back and forth talking heads head. it's like talking heads yeah
0: And you would, we sort of already spoiled what the movie's about. So, But if you were to go into this film not knowing what it's about, you see these two talking heads. They're talking about love. And so you think, oh, it's about each other. But in the end, you reveal they're talking about the same man, which is just such an interesting way to structure that, which has really stuck with me for how to open a film Mm -hmm. in an interesting and captivating way. Because initially it seems, oh, here we have narration, talking heads. But the way that it caps off the the talking head portion of it gets you into the, the mood of this film to see, okay, we're about to witness somebody coming out of their shell in a way mm-hmm. that is not the norm for society, the mm-hmm. way that this opening is not the norm for romantic movies. So I thought that portion... That has just always stuck with me. So you're right.
1: Very well written. Hello. You can do the recommendation.
0: Oh, sure. That's where we were going on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're done with
0: Making Love. You're just silent. Yeah. And our next recommendation, just with Making Love, this is in honor of Pride Month. So a series that you can watch on Hulu is Love, Victor. That's in the same universe as the 2018 film Love, Simon, which starred Nick Robinson as a closeted high schooler in his journey to come out. And Dylan, did you ever
1: see that movie? I did not see that movie. Did you? Oh, yeah. Is it good? I did.
0: I watched it in theaters with Lily. We both went to see it. It, Yeah, it was really good. It's an extremely strong coming-of-age story that also serves as a rom-com but also serves Mm -hmm. as an lgbtq film so yeah it was strong uh and this is happening like i said in the same universe it's about victor played by michael cimino who just moved to simon's old high school simon went to new york i don't know if it was permanent or for some time but he ain't there anymore victor unlike simon is not entirely sure of his sexuality. And a big thing about Love, Simon was he had a strong support group with his friends and also his parents. Mm -hmm. Victor's parents, on the other hand, are extremely religious. So Mm -hmm. there's that element to him trying to figure out who he is, the idea that he might not be accepted by them. And then he doesn't have that strong support group because he just moved to a new town. So he has to wade through becoming the new kid getting over being the new kid as well as figuring out who he is and adjusting to his family and his parents are going through a rough time in their own relationship. So yeah, that Mm -hmm. is the drama that love Victor deals with. And like we said, it is on Hulu. It began streaming June 17th. So I think if you have Hulu, you should definitely check it out. Dylan, you got to check out, Love Sign and then Love Victor.
1: I'll let you borrow my Hulu code and you can oh. go watch Love Victor. Awesome. And you can watch Scrubs too. Yeah. Fantastic. Alright, well that's all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week you can email us at uh, theboxofficeshow@gmail.com. gmail.com Our main title
0: theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. I'm Ryan Hill.
1: And I'm Dylan Johnson. Thank you. Have a great day.